What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 18 of True North Talk, featuring Peter Burtnett and myself, Joseph Staten. And we need to stop getting in this habit of saying this every episode, but again, we are a little bit behind getting this out. But I think, Peter, we actually have a valid excuse this time. Do you kind of want to say what happened on that? Yeah, so... Fortunately and unfortunately at the same time, fortunately we were able to, to see each other in person again. We got to, to hang out and uh, go up to go up to Detroit for a Guardians Tigers game and just have some fun times with with uh, with Riley also Joe and Joe Joe and my friend Riley. Um, and so when we were hanging out together, we did get a podcast recorded, but I accidentally forgot to bring my mic, and so we ended up just recording it on our phones, and the audio just wasn't wasn't really good enough to publish and so we held off on that one um and if we, if we don't talk about it or if we do on this episode or a future one we just kind of talked a little bit about the usc and ucla move to the to the big 10 but yeah it was it was a good time at least to get to hang out again even though a podcast didn't end up coming out of it but it was a, it was a great week for me too being back home in ohio so glad to be kind of glad to be back here working again but uh, that was definitely a nice little re- relaxation really yeah, and it's it's kind of crazy looking at the numbers and the dates. I'm looking at my computer screen right now, and I see the bottom right, the date, July 24th. And I remember when we first started doing this, it was like February-ish, I think. Hmm. And that's when you made the move out there. And it's just so crazy that it's already been six months, you know? Right. Like that, that time went so quickly. And I remember we were talking about... Uh, this whole idea of hanging out this summer is like, yeah, that seems so far away. And now it's like already a month in the past almost. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's time crazy definitely how fast goes time quickly. goes. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been doing your thing out there, man. Been busy. I've been doing my thing. It's like the busier you are, the faster life goes. But hmm. that's a whole other topic for another podcast. But for this episode, like Peter was saying, we, we did record episode 18. Audio was not up to par. Which honestly is probably a good thing because I enjoy doing these where we have proper audio set up and, you know, the high quality stuff. 100%. So now that's all out of the way, uh, what we want to talk about this episode is um, John 12 and kind of set the stage for Jesus's triumphal entry and um, really him declaring himself the son of God. Because I know there's a lot of debate in the Gospels where... Jesus would kind of avoid saying it out loud himself. Hmm. Like his disciples would ask him, are you the son of God? And there's, there's a few times where it was strictly said, but oftentimes Jesus spoke in metaphors and, and kind of avoided directly saying that. But I think this triumphal entry and we'll see this as we read it and look at all the signs he gave us, but this is like his, I mean, triumphal entry, obviously, but it's him declaring in a very powerful way that he was the Messiah and yeah, so that's, this is going to be John 12 verses 12 through 19. So Peter, do you want to go ahead and read that and get yeah. us started on the scripture? Of course. Uh, and I, I think it's also important just to kind of set the stage a little bit. Um, cause it's always good to have a little bit of background, um, in the previous 11 verses. And I think the chapter before also is when, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And so like verse nine says, meanwhile, a large crowd of crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. Uh, So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. So again, I think that kind of sets the stage and 
um, you know, I'll just go right into verse 12, then the, the kind of the main passage that we're going over today. Well, real quick, actually, before you start sure. reading that. So, yeah, like some more context about what's happening here. So this is the Passover celebration in Jerusalem, which is very important to the Jews. Uh, we all know the story of the Passover. Um, but all the Jews were gathering in Jerusalem to celebrate this, but they all wanted to see Jesus especially after he did the miracle with Lazarus. Mm -hmm. They were trying to find Jesus, and Jesus was spending this time with Lazarus before he went in on the triumphal entry. So they were already, like the Jews were already kind of stirring up, wanting to see Jesus, and they wanted him to be their king, and we'll get more into that. I have so much to say about that, Hmm. and I'm sure you do too, Peter. But yeah, like you were saying, uh, they were bewildered and in awe at the miracle that was just performed with Lazarus, and they were dying to see Jesus, so... That's kind of setting the stage for uh, verses 12 through 19. For sure. So here we go. And again, if you want to follow along or look this up later and read through it yourself and, you know, try out a different translation or whatever, I'm reading in NIV, um, verse John chapter 12 verses, 12, verses 12 through 19. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord blessed is the king of israel jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written do not be afraid daughter zion see your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt at first his disciples did not understand all this only after jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. All right, so there's a lot in that. There's a lot to unpack there. But I think the first place we should start off is... And you can see here, I'm not sure if you're using Bible Gateway when you read that, but the headline here is under right above verse 12 is Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king, right? Mm-hmm. So what what comes to your mind when you think of king? Like what image comes to mind when you think of the word king? Um, just, you know, a man of, of power and influence and someone who commands respect and honor. Um you know, I always you kind of picture, I guess, like a, a kind of a medieval king in, in Europe or something like that is normally the picture that comes to my mind. It, again, just somebody who's, right. who's in command, who demands respect and, you know, who everybody honors and kind of wants to even just see walking, you know, or in this case, seated on a donkey. Right. And the Jews had an idea of what they wanted Jesus to be as as king. Mm-hmm. And we know there's a there's quite a stark difference between why Jesus came and the type of king he was and is to this day and what they wanted him to be. Hmm. So that description that you said as a king, you know, royalty, commands respect, leadership, that is really what the Jews wanted. And looking actually previously at uh, when Jesus performed the feeding the 5,000 miracle in John chapter 6, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with with these verses here, but John six verses 14 and 15, it says, 
After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, feeding the 5,000, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Verse 15, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, with, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So they, the Jews tried to come by force and, and make him king. Like they, they wanted him to be their king in, in Israel. So any idea on what they wanted him to do as king? Like why did they want to do that to him? Of course. I mean, it was, I don't know how many years. I don't know the exact numbers historically, but probably probably maybe maybe not quite centuries, but maybe somewhere short of like a couple, a couple of centuries or several decades at least of ro- oppressive Roman rule. Um, and that's kind of been right. the history of Israel as a nation over the years. I mean, it was uh, Assyria, it was Babylon, it was, you know, you can go through and read some of the other ones. I think that probably the Greeks at one point ruled over them, but the Romans were especially brutal. And, um, you know, that's where obviously later in, in the story of, of the gospel crucifixion, it comes from the Romans. So that's kind of, and honestly, I've heard, I think that crucifixion maybe probably isn't even... I think maybe it is the most brutal, but there are a lot of other ones that are just short of how brutal crucifixion is. And so that's kind of a picture of what the what the Israelites wanted salvation from. And so they hoped that, and they, and they didn't expect it to come in the form of how Jesus did of somebody who would save them from what they really needed salvation from, which is from their sins and eternal damnation. What they wanted was, you know, physical short-term salvation um, from, again, from the oppressive Roman rule. And they expected, uh, again, you know, kind of the description that I used for a king. They expected somebody like that to come and save them. And obviously, Jesus could have been that if that was in in, in God's plan, but um, that wasn't in the plan. And so, um, you know, that was the expectation that they had. And Jesus was like, no, that's that's not what I'm here to do. And imagine being a man who people wanted you to be king so badly which is a very powerful position and refusing that you know withdrawing yourself to a mountain hmm. and Jesus knew that uh, what was coming down the road he knew he was going to get crucified he knew i mean even in the garden of gethsemane when he's praying to god asking you know lord if it's your will please take this cup from me and um he knew what was going to happen and he had the opportunity many times to to escape this reality of crucifixion but going back to what the what the scripture was saying there um so they wanted him to be king but they didn't want or they probably didn't even understand uh the type of king that he came to be uh so yeah that's true they wanted him to free them from the romans ruling over them and as we know matthew being a tax collector for the romans um that's an interesting point there too i'm not sure if have you seen the chosen I haven't. I, I've seen bits and pieces of it. My my parents watched all the way through it. At some point, I still need to. Maybe next time I'm in one of those binge binge watching moods, I might I might put that on the TV. I was I thought you were gonna say uh, binge moods, like talking about eating snacks and ice <laughs> <No>. cream. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> hopefully, you it's kind of the same that. sort of thing. It's just what you're what you're consuming <laughs> with your eyes instead of what you're consuming in your stomach. <laughs> yeah, but the reason I bring that up. The Chosen is a TV series. I think I've talked about it before. Uh, I was in a young adult group. We used to watch The Chosen every week, an episode, and, and break it down. And it was actually very helpful. Uh, people have some issues with the show itself because I think the directors of the show have some very questionable beliefs. Mm. But 
that show is cool because it put a picture to the Romans ruling over the Jews. And in that show, Matthew being the tax collector, when Jesus called him to follow him and he, he instantly left, you know, to follow Jesus. I just remember that scene and I remember picturing just how oppressed the Jews really felt under the Romans. So it's understandable that they'd want him to free them from the Romans. Um, and obviously we know that it was kind of the same situation with the Egyptians way back, um, you know, in the old Testament. And I think that's kind of what they saw in Jesus, but obviously that's not why he came. Right. So, and then can you read verse 16 one more time? Uh, John twelve sixteen. Yeah, that's, that's a good, good shout out there. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Right, so not even the disciples understood the significance of of what was going on with this entry. And that kind of leads right into the next question or point or whatever you want to call it, which is why in the world would Jesus choose a donkey to ride into Jerusalem on? So I, you want to take a shot at that? I mean, it's to fulfill the prophecy, and I'm looking down at this reference here on Bible Gateway. It comes from... I think Zechariah or Zechariah nine nine, and I'm I'm assuming that's probably pretty close to word for word, verse fifteen in John twelve verse fifteen. Do not be afraid, daughters. Yeah, it was actually in it was actually in John twelve. I think they put it in. Yeah, they put part of that in there. But um, I can read Zechariah nine nine through ten unless you had that pulled up. Go ahead if you already have it up. Okay, so this is this is Zechariah 9, 9 through 10. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. So that is prophesying a Messiah obviously and there it is in the old testament lowly riding on a donkey hmm. isn't that isn't that incredible yeah and something that and was written i think probably close to a thousand years before before jesus several hundred e- years at jesus, least at least several hundred yeah before jesus even came to earth yeah but so there's that obviously it was a fulfillment of prophecy but why, like, why else do you think he might have chose a donkey? Because, because it's, I'm sure ahead. the Israelites expected him to ride in on, you know, as a king on a war horse, something mm-hmm. powerful in a chariot. But he didn't choose that. He chose a donkey. Yeah, and you kind of already hinted at that by by the way you said that. I mean, it was a sign of of Jesus's humility. You know, a, a humble donkey isn't isn't. You know, I I doubt many, if any, kings at this time would ever want to be seen within 10 feet of a donkey. Um, and, and Jesus is, is like, that's, that's what I'm going to come in riding in, in my entry triumphal entry to Jerusalem. And so it kind of shows again, that he came not as some prideful, boastful King that would deliver them from, from the war and the oppression of, of Rome, but as a humble, as a humble servant really to give life and salvation for those who are willing to accept it. And that's the main thing I that I thought of too was just humility and meekness that comes with that. 
because donkeys, we obviously, even today we see donkeys as like, well, they're just clumsy little, you know, versions of horses. It's not like they're powerful. It's not like <laughs> you could use a donkey to, to ride into battle. I so. mean, that's, that's why, that's why ass is a, a derogatory term too, because that's, I mean, for probably hundreds of years, that was just a word for a donkey. Obviously now it has a different meaning, but that's kind of a that's kind of a further picture of exactly how lowly donkeys are seen even again in today's society still yeah and you got to think when the pharisees saw him riding a donkey they were they were already upset at him they were probably just mm-hmm. like are you serious who is this guy like you you are not only blaspheming god now you're riding in a donkey you know what are you doing Do i just i'd love to know what they were thinking that's what I'm wondering. Do you think they would have recognized the, you know, because they were obviously well versed in in the Torah. Do you think they they thought and were like, you know, this is fulfilling prophecy, or do you think they were just so so against against Jesus that they just saw it as ridiculous and blasphemous? I think I think there was probably a handful that saw the prophecy being fulfilled, but I think just like today with the Orthodox Jews, you know, and the rabbis. Um, I think a lot of them were still just so opposed to the idea, you know, and there's many reasons for that. I mean, you could talk about the reason, like just, just the fact of having to accept that, uh, you know, basically that what you believe is not enough. Hmm. You know, you can only imagine today, you know, being an Orthodox Jew and raising up being so convinced that Jesus is not the Messiah and then you actually take a look and realize hold on a second he might be the Messiah it takes a lot of humility to admit that you're wrong about something yeah. so I think even those who might have recognized it they're probably so deeply entrenched into their own worldview they just could not recognize or admit what they were seeing um, just like me thinking that Ohio State would still beat Michigan this year right you're so deeply entrenched uh <laughs> into this world you grew up in where Ohio state never lost a game that, you know, you're hitting reality. Now you're hitting your twenties and you're starting to see the world as it really is, which is you're not going to win every game. Yeah. That, that really hit in that third quarter, but that's something that we've probably talked about enough on this podcast. And I'm not sorry to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be either. It's funny you mentioned that though. It's It's funny you mentioned that though, because Right before the podcast, kind of to get me, you know, in the zone, I was looking at some clips of the um, the Seven Nation Army chant mm-hmm. uh, after that fourth quarter sack mm-hmm. on when it was, I think it was two minutes left. Just the, the beauty of that sea of maize, maize and blue, just pounding and cheering that that anthem was. It just it makes the heart very happy. So it's interesting you you mentioned that. But getting back to the topic, we here. always we always have to bring that up in a podcast. Oh, we always have to bring it up, and, and trust me, if the outcome is the same this year, it's it's I'm never going to live it down because I've waited my entire life, just like the Jews waited their whole lives to see the Messiah. And I don't want to compare the two. Actually, that's kind of like blasphemy right there. A little bit, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> obviously, my loyalty and my uh, my heart belongs to God. But second mm-hmm. below God. It might even, I mean, it might even be up there with, with family and country. Uh, yeah, I've been waiting my whole life to see that, so I will not live it down. And I'm sure you understand that, Peter. I'm sure oh, yeah. you understand it. I mean, 2014 was, you know. You're a Cavs fan. You're a Browns fan. We we understand how this goes. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, and yeah, I guess I guess 2014 wasn't the same because the Buckeyes had been, you know, winning not at that level of champions. But yeah, 2016 was truly special for the for the Cavs after all the tough years and never seeing a Cleveland championship. But anyways, probably should 2016 be was a, a truly special year yeah. in general. I think that could that could easily have its own podcast episode. Just 2016. We might have to do what a, made that write that down and save that for a later later date. Yeah, because that it was a very strange. It's a it's a strange um, phenomenon to me because there's so many people that love that year specifically. I think that's when like technology and society like apexed at the climax, mm-hmm. and ever ever since then it's kind of downhill. Yeah, but that's my theory. Yeah, that can get its own episode. Hmm. But yeah, back to the topic. So we we're talking about the Pharisees, the donkey, everything like that, which will kind of lead into our next question so why do you think that jesus chose to enter jerusalem when he did during the passover festival feast it was you know because the passover was a i'll say brief i mean they were probably delivered for a little while but kind of a background for maybe people who who didn't grow up in the church or who aren't as well versed in the bible the Israelites and and Joe Joe mentioned it earlier. Egypt. The Israelites were under again oppressively under slavery of the Egyptians for what four hundred years, maybe more. I think it was probably around four hundred years. Um, yeah, I think it was about four hundred. And then actually, your namesake Joseph was the one who God chose to help lead them out of that. Um, and that's you know the the whole story of Joseph. I think is in maybe chapters like. Somewhere in the 30 to, oh, no, it's it's late 40s, I think, of Genesis. It's a really, really good story to go about reading that really I think we should do a podcast about that that someday too is the story of Joseph. Um, yeah, that I'm just looking here too, 430 years 430 is how long years, they were yeah. under the Egyptians. Yeah. But yeah, I'd love to do an episode on that. Obviously, I mean, it's my name, but exactly, it is a good yeah. story too. Yeah, maybe we could do a couple of themed podcasts, one about Joe and one about, one about Joseph, one about Peter in the Bible. I think that'd be interesting. Hey, I'm down. Write yeah, that for down. Sure. Just like 2016. Oh yeah, <laughs> but but anyways, you know, to I won't spoil too much of the story, but I also want to make sure that I, you know, talk about what happened. So they were then delivered through a bunch of signs um, towards the Egyptian pharaoh at the time that just kind of you know a bunch of different plagues, twelve different plagues. Um, the last one, all the firstborn. Um, Men, women, children, animals, all the firstborn in the country of Egypt died. But how Israelites would be spared is um, Moses was given a... And so actually, wait, Joseph... It's been a while since I thought about this. Joseph was the one... Was he at the same time as Moses? I'm getting this like really... I think it's my... Being tired has kind of got me a little bit confused right now. Um, I think Joseph came after uh, Joseph. Joseph came after Moses. Yeah. I and so yeah, Moses was the one who on actually that. yeah, Moses was the one who kind of led that led that charge against Pharaoh, and so he received a message from God saying to um to kill a, sh- a sheep, pass over lamb is where we get that term from and put its blood over the doorpost and the angel of death who was who was going and killing the firstborn would pass would pass over their house and so that's where the name literally comes from um and so that's why and so they sell they've celebrated that 
at the same time every year for now over 2,000 years, maybe that close to two and a half thousand years. Um, and, and yeah, so that's, that's the significance of the time of why Jesus chose this time to, to do the, the entry into Jerusalem. Right. I love the history on Passover. Thanks for, mm. uh, informing our audience about that, Peter. I probably couldn't have done as good of a job as describing it. Uh, but yeah, Passover, uh, the festival itself, the sanctity of that uh, celebration and what it meant. Um, Jesus kind of being the, the symbolic saving grace from death, the death that came from the Passover. Um, but also um, the amount of people that were in Jerusalem at this time, there, there's not a time of year in which there would be more people in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So Jesus obviously wanted people to see him make this entry. And the first thing that comes to mind when I say that, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking this, I thought this myself, is yeah, obviously he wants people to see him so that they'll realize, oh wow, this is a big big deal, this is the Son of God, you know. Um, It's not just like a minor event. He wanted as as many eyes possible to see this for a good reason, right? For them to believe in him. But can you think of anything that, any reason he might want to... um, want a lot of eyes to witness this other than just good outcomes, like saving more people or making other people believe like, is there any other reason you can think of? Um, honestly, you'll have to help me out with that one. Cause I was, I was also kind of goes back to, to the verify. Pharisees. If, was, if that helps you out. Yeah. Real quickly though, back to, to Joseph and Moses, Joseph, Joseph and Moses, Joseph was the one who was sold into slavery in Egypt. And he kind of started, that was like the transition the of sort of the change. Right. And then, but then eventually after him and the Pharaoh that he was basically an adopted brother of after they kind of died off, that's when slavery really started. So Joseph was kind of the beginning of Israelites, the Israelite slavery in Egypt. And then Moses was the end, but sorry, I just wanted to make sure I cleared that up because I, I should, I should know that, but I just kind of, it escaped and I me. I definitely but. should know that to be honest. <laughs> if anybody should yeah. know it, it's me. <laughs> but I mean, it's easy to it's it's really easy to mix up the timeline of some of those Old Testament stories just because yeah. they're so tightly packed together and there's so many of them. But still, no excuse. But anyways, so the reason there's many many reasons why Jesus chose Passover, but he wanted eyes on this event. But he didn't want only good outcomes from from the eyes on the on the event. So he wanted to come at this holy time of the year, Passover because of the amount of people there, but also because he knew, and this is kind of crazy to think about, and I did not realize this myself until I did a pretty deep study. He wanted to ensure that the amount of hatred and vitriol that he stirred up from the Sanhedrin and from the Pharisees would be enough to again, ensure his own death. Hmm. Like you have to think this was on purpose. Like Jesus consciously chose for that to happen. And it's pretty to me, it was mind blowing when I realized that. I was like, "Wow!" Like I, I never even thought about it like that. Um, and just the <laughs> the gumption it would have taken to again ensure your own death. Jesus was obviously he was God, but he was also fully man. Like, can you imagine doing something you know would ensure that you're going to die a brutal death? Like that is that's crazy to me. Yeah, and I think. 
just kind of a picture i i wanted to look this up quickly of just how you know if for people who would say you know are you sure that jesus planned it out um like this and it's matthew chapter 21 provides a little bit more context um it's it's the same story but again it just provides a little bit more context verse starting from 21 verse 1 it says as they this is jesus and the disciples approached jerusalem and came to bethpage on the mount of olives jesus sent two disciples saying to them go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her untie them and bring them to me if anyone says anything to you say that the lord needs them and he will send them right away so again just just a picture of the you know purpose of of why jesus was doing this and again to verify the point that you said he knew he knew what he was doing when when he did this and again he knew he knew based on what was already building up and what this would stir up even more the like you said the hate and the vitriol from from the pharisees and we see that in verse 19 of john 12 where it says so the pharisees said to one another see this is getting us nowhere look how the whole world has gone after him yeah i mean they recognized that people were realizing this is a not just your everyday occurrence, you know, this is something special. But even as you cited there, Matthew 21, even verses 4 through 5, uh, again, they cite mm-hmm. the, the prophecy from Zechariah 9.9. That's another interesting little tidbit there. But yep. just a couple more things um, that are pretty cool to, to think about. Um, and Peter, you may may or may not know these things. I'm, I'm a, I'll throw them out there and we can see. But do you know why uh, the term Hosanna, like, as the Jews were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to Jesus. Like, do you know any, any reason why that's significant? Well, I'm looking, looking at the, the outline that we have. Um, I, I didn't know this before though, exactly what it meant. I, I knew it meant some sort of, you know, praise or worship. Um, but it, you know, specifically it translates in Hebrew to give salvation now. Right. So imagine that the Jews are sitting there, you know, waving the palm branches to Jesus, basically saying, give salvation now to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, that's interesting to me, bro, because why would they say that if they didn't fully understand what Jesus was doing? That's the thing that gets me. Like, why would they tell him why, you know, give salvation now? It, it almost seems like they were kind of, they were starting to tie it all together, you know? Hmm. Because they wouldn't have been able to know that if they didn't know, like if they just wanted Jesus to be a king of Israel and they didn't know he was the son of God, they never would have said give salvation now. Yeah. I think, again, part of it too is just the kind of a combination of the buildup of, again, the oppressive Roman rule and also the fact that this is a, I guess, triumphant time in the calendar for them. Kind of like, kind of like, I mean, picture like Christmas and Easter are two holidays that we in the Christian faith that stand out more from anything else, obviously the birth of Jesus and the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, and so at this time that was like, they didn't have obviously a, and, and again, like you said already, Orthodox Jews probably don't really celebrate those holidays. Now I'm in fact, I'm sure they probably, they, I'm sure they don't. Um, You're telling me they this, didn't have an Easter bunny back then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm saying Orthodox <laughs> Jews don't celebrate that now, but but this was their Easter, so maybe maybe they had some sort of alternative to Easter Bunny back then. I'm sure they had something. I'm sure they had and something. I guess but that's a good point, though. I mean, give salvation now. It wouldn't necessarily mean in the context of a Messiah giving salvation from sin. I guess it could have meant salvation again from the Roman rule. That's that's a good point. 
but and, I, and they felt more bold to call that out because again it was a I hate to use the word happy because it feels so simple, but it was like a happy celebratory time for them. I think celebratory would be a little bit of a better word. Um, and they were, you know, like, you know, if, if it's going to happen, their their eyes were open to the fact, like, if it's going to happen, this this is when it could happen, our, de- our deliverance from the Romans. Right. And then, yeah, so we have that. We have the significance of Hosanna. There's also some significance in the palm branches as well. Um, so I'm not sure if you knew this, but in the old, in the old Testament, the palm branches were used repeatedly to signify, you know, celebration and joy. Again, it goes back to what you're just saying. It's a time of celebration and joy. So that ties in perfectly, mm-hmm. but also it, it had become a symbol to signify hope for a Messiah, Messiah to arrive. So it's all these different factors. Like you're starting to see the full picture now that we're going through this. It's like, this event, if you read it as a standalone event in the Bible, if you don't have any idea of, of the surrounding context and these tidbits, you think you might think, oh, especially if you don't know the Zechariah reference, you might just think, oh, well, mm-hmm. like, what is the significance here? Right. But now, like, tying this all together, it's like every single piece of the story is so important because Jesus is metaphorically showing us and... It's not even that his, like it says right there, his own disciples didn't even realize until, you know, he rose again, um, the significance of this event, because there's no possible way you could have. But um, I guess now that we have that full picture, and this this is like a very open-ended question, and, and I guess kind of personal, you don't have to be too personal if you don't want to, but I guess what ways um, can we identify areas in our life and maybe what specific areas in your life do you think we could, you could um, submit more to the authority of Jesus and like Jesus's kingship as our Lord and savior? I think for me, it would probably be persistence. And what I mean by that is this, when I, when I, whenever I hear this passage, it's obviously, you know, kind of, again, a celebratory joyful mood, but my mind always shifts to, you know, within a week, because I think the this entry happened on maybe like a Tuesday or Wednesday of what we call Holy Week. Um, and then within, you know, two or three days, they these same people were crying for, for Jesus's death on a cross. And so I think my takeaway, and again, it isn't so much a takeaway from this direct passage, but again, that's just where my mind goes whenever I read, read or hear this passage is, you know, that, I mean, first of all, you need to, you and I and everybody listening, but again, you said personally, so I'm going to go with I, need to consciously, you know, make that decision to continue to follow after Christ, obviously, because I've made that decision to live my life like that. But I mean, it's kind of, it's an everyday thing. You need to decide, you know, you have decisions every day where you can choose to walk, walk in faith or walk in the path of the world. And so, it's kind of this passage to me is a reminder to make make sure that I'm persistent in following after God and not turning turning my back to him, you know, when maybe the world says I should or um, you know, in 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 the good moments, in the celebratory moments of life like this passage is um, you know, I need to make sure that I also glorify and worship God and praise him even in the the dark times and when it's, you know, when it's easy to, to turn away from him. So that's, that's what I take away from this again is 
making sure that it's I don't become hypocritical in being just praise full of praise for for God and then you know being you know turning my back on him like like these same people did so that's that's my takeaway I think from this is just persistence in faith and it, yeah that that's really good and that ties back into our original question which is what is the difference between the Jews expectation of Jesus as king and Jesus's true kingship because mm-hmm. if we don't understand what it really means for him to be king in our lives we can never understand or even try to live our life um, in remembrance of him and and in honor of him and all these things mm-hmm. and I uh, when my church was talking about this chapter our pastor had a quote he said without a proper understanding of the kingdom of Jesus and the implication of, of it for our lives our devotion is nothing more than superficial devotion and that's true because mm-hmm. If we don't understand what it means for him to be king in our lives, there's no way we could, you know, live our lives accordingly. Um, and I think you kind of answered. Uh, there was a there was a question about um, like what does that true kingship look like and our devotion look like, and that that's kind of what you answered, bro. Is like persistence, you know. Hmm. Like if we're not persistent and we're consistent too, I mean, right. persistent is more about you know you. <laughs> putting in the effort effort every day yeah you know, when you don't feel like it and it's funny because we we were just talking about that before this podcast if we're going to be honest mm-hmm. peter and i have i know i've had a long week i'm sure you've had a long week um and sometimes i mean a lot of it i think most times when we wake up and do stuff that are disciplines we don't want to do it like mm-hmm. most of the time you get lucky um when the stars align you know on on your good days and you and you feel like doing what you don't want to do but mm-hmm. we're not always going to feel like following Christ always. I mean, mm-hmm. we're going to have that devotion to him. We're going to have that commitment to him, but commitment means you do it even when you don't feel like it, when it's not popular. And I guess yep. that kind of is something I've, I'm dealing with is, and it would be my answer to my original question, uh, which is kind of like, what would you, what area are you reluctant to submit to Christ? And I, I've, I've been convicted about this recently and it's, you know, kind of how I carry myself when I'm around other people, because I know, especially at work, it's, it's tough sometimes. Um, cause if you don't engage, you know, in certain conversation, if you don't say certain things, it's really hard to connect with people. Mm-hmm. And I often find myself like making slight compromises on my own principles and integrity and, and just, Stuff that I, you know, conversations that are really beneath, you know, what should be spoken and and just, you know what I mean? Like jokes and these types of things. And it's like, I shouldn't be the one compromising my own, Hmm. you know, standards and principles to to fit into somebody who's not saves worldview. Like if anything, I should be trying to get them to conform to, you know, uh, into the, the kingship of Christ, Hmm. if I'm, if I'm going to be honest. So that's something I've I have noticed in my life, um, and it's tough, man. I mean, it's tough mm-hmm. to to fully submit. The world is very rampant in our face twenty four seven. We have social media, we have um, TV, we have music, all these things. I mean, again, I don't, I don't know if we've spoken about music on the pod, but I, I could go into that too. Like, I know we have off negative. the pod for sure. <laughs> Oh yeah, but just how negative, bro. Some of these lyrics are in the music we listen to, hmm. and 
you know, so you just have to be aware and, and conscious um, of being consistent and being persistent, like Peter said, and also, you know, identifying areas in your life. Where are you, where are you compromising? Because we really should not be compromising. Hmm. Like our mission here is to spread the gospel. We are put on this earth. It's very short. Our, our life is like, do you know that Bible verse, Peter, where it's talking about the brevity of our life, like uh, comes and goes like a wind? I, I forget like exactly a, what Like a says. vapor, yeah. Do you know where that's at specifically by chance? Um, I'm sure it's in the New Testament. Psalms. That's about as much as I can narrow it down. I think it's New Testament, but maybe. Uh, yeah, James 4, 14. Yeah. Okay. And then of course is the King James version. I'm going to read it though. I don't care. <laughs> Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Oh, that sounds so <laughs> so weird reading that. <laughs> but but no, it's true, dude. Like think about it. Yeah. You know, our lives on this earth are so short-lived. And even if you think about the world in general, we've only been here you know, maybe in my opinion, this might be controversial in the scientific world, but probably 5,000 years, 6,000 years, the earth. Mm-hmm. But even even if it's just that amount of time, think about how briefly our lives are in that, and even that amount of time. Yeah. 70 years. Yep. So there's so much, bro, to take away from this scripture. Um, I sat down and prepared, um, you know, studied this and read it and – we're not even really scratching the surface, I don't think, and we're already, um, we're already forty minutes into this pod, bro. Yeah. So, I don't know. Do you have any closing thoughts on what we read and what we discussed, and just how to apply this into our listeners' lives and anything like that? I think probably what I, what I said after you asked me the question about you know just what my I guess personal takeaway is from this is you know if if you are already a Christian, make sure that you don't fall into the trap that these people, you know, who, who saw Jesus come in, fell into where they're praising him, calling for him, calling Hosanna, give us salvation now. And blessed, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And then again, two or three days later, we're calling for, for Jesus's death. And, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of look at it like, Oh yeah, of course I would never call for, for like you know curse god but i mean we do so often don't we you know just simple things like you know saying like saying oh my god or you know other other terms of using god's name in vain or blaming blaming god for when bad things happen to us or even just falling into sin really is a way that we kind of I mean, not kind of in, is the way, you know, when we sin, we turn our backs on God and even not trusting thankfully, God, something as simple yeah, as that, even, even not trusting God because, you know, obedience kind of comes with trust, doesn't it? When you, you're going to obey something, somebody like, like, you know, like your parents or obviously what we're talking about here, God, or, you know, a, a boss that, you know, aligns with you know, when they're telling you things that align that, that I guess maybe not necessarily directly align both things that don't contradict your faith and what God tells us to do. Um, but yeah, anything that, anything that isn't obedience to God, which again comes from trust, having trust in God and they kind of work hand in hand. I think when you, when you trust somebody, you're gonna, you know, you're going to listen to what they say and 
you're going to, you know, obey what they tell you to do. So, yeah, I think that's that's my takeaway. I kind of went around about there in my answer, but just make sure um you know, if you are a Christian that you don't turn turn your back on God if and if you're not um you know, we're we'll, we'll share this on our social media, so if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us about about becoming a Christian. We're by no means experts. Um, and if you're already ready to make that decision, it's as simple as, you know, we, we say the ABCs, it's just accepting that, that Jesus is the son of God, that he came to this earth, that he lived a perfect life and that he died and was raised again to life. It's believing that it's accepting, um, accepting that message. It's believing that, that, that Jesus came to die to save us of our sins. And then it's confessing, you know, saying, yeah, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. Um, but thanks be to God, you know, there is, there is an answer to, to that sin and that salvation. So that's kind of my answer. Kind of the, the one for, for a non-Christian is if you're ready to make that decision, make it. Cause you never know. Again, like we said, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, and if you're not, feel free to reach out to one of us or, you know, a local church or something like that. And then if you are a Christian, just make sure that you don't fall into the trap of praising and calling for salvation and praising God one day and then disobeying him and sinning the next. So that's that's my big takeaway, I think. And I want to say, too, you mentioned reaching out to us. Like, whenever I get somebody that, you know, hits me up about the podcast, even if it's just the slightest comment or conversation, I love doing that. Like, I love having conversations mm-hmm. about this, and I'm sure Peter does, too. So yeah. Whoever's listening to this, I know we have about 10 or 15 consistent listeners. So, and I think there's a few new ones that float in every once in a while. So, um, if anybody has questions, yeah, definitely reach out. We'd love to talk to you guys and, and share our, our testimonies and, um, you know, lead you to Christ. Uh, Mm -hmm. we want nothing more because yeah, we are, we're all sinners. We're destined to hell, all of us. And the only way that we make it out of that sin possibly is through the blood of Christ. He paid our debt. He paid our bail in court, and if God is fully just, then there's no way he could let us sinners free without someone paying our bail, and, and thankfully Jesus did that, because if we all died, you know, we'd be all, we'd all be guilty of breaking God's law on Judgment Day, so right. that's the importance of the gospel, um, and I would encourage everybody, examine your daily lives as Christians, take a serious look, you know, and I know... If you're saved, you, you probably have already been feeling convicted about something, and there's always an area of our life where it can tend to get out of uh, out of hand sometimes if we're not careful. It's very easy to let the enemy creep in and um, just to be honestly lazy in our faith, which we was, we do not want to do. So yep. it's just making a daily effort and examining ourselves because at, the, at any moment you could come before God and have to give an account, and you don't want to come before God and feel ashamed or embarrassed or feel like you wasted time on earth or just, you know, you wanted to be cool for other people. So you didn't, you know, proclaim his word. And yeah, there's just so much in that story. So I'd encourage you guys to read John 12. Um, hopefully this, this podcast spoke to somebody. Uh, thank you all for listening. Very happy to get another episode recorded on the books, especially with our actual microphones. So that's going to be refreshing. Yeah. Uh, but with that being said, I think that's about it for this episode. So, um, like I said, leave a rating on the podcast if you made it this far, and we will see you next week. Peace out. Peace.